So Brandon, so so Brandon, where'd Brandon go? You know, it looks like it looks like Kristen and I are the only ones on this platform that want the Chiefs to win today. And uh, just me and Kristen. And so, I, you know, I only bring that up to make you feel bad. And also, <laughs> okay, it wasn't red enough. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> me, Brandon, and Kristen. I apologize. But only bring that up to make you feel bad. And uh, uh, what I'm saying is, all y'all need to be back tonight for prayer meeting. Prayer service, 530, y'all need to be here. I already had somebody tell me that they would be here for prayer meeting tonight if we would put the game up on the screen. And not only that, they would pray for three solid hours (laughs) instead of just the one. I, I don't know if we can do that or not, but... Um, you know, probably probably be good for you to pray anyway. Over the next three weeks, I want to encourage you to use the next three weeks as what I call an object of opportunity. We have objects of opportunity these next three weeks, just kind of a tractor beam to get maybe lost people or friends or people you know either to come or to, to view online and be with us because we got Lord's Supper next Sunday. We've got baptisms the Sunday after that. Valentine's Day is the Sunday after that. Now, our Valentine's Day activity we're pushing off until probably about April or so. But I will take that Sunday, February 14th, and I'll be talking about how to avoid slips in relationships. So it will still be Valentine's Day message. And so I just point out to you those three objects of opportunity to get people to come with in and, and get a chance to hear the gospel. I mean, it's bad enough that in our age, the common malady of the day is bipolar. So everybody is. All Americans are bipolar. But on top of that, to add, we've had 10 months of pandemic with all the stress, with all the uncertainty. So we need to be reaching out to people and getting them under the sound of the word of God and getting the gospel to them. And we are here for such a time as this for those who are lost. So so I'm going to do something this week that I had done two weeks ago. I'm going to invite you once again to fasting and prayer again this week as, as we go into forming our harvest teams and all these other opportunities and things are going on. You know, I mentioned two weeks ago, I think fasting is just that aspect of saying, Lord, we're totally undone. And there's just nothing that we can do in the flesh that will solve the situation. And so kind of just like Job, we, we sit for a minute in ashes, uh, because there's no action we can take, but we can pray. And then what we discover is, as we pray, then we get, we're strengthened with might in the inner man. And as we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, then he shows us things. And once he, the Holy Spirit, speaks to our heart and shows us things, well, then we can act. We can act on what he shows us. So what, what I'm asking you to do is skip one meal a day this week, And just say to God, you know, God, we're at the end of ourselves. I mean, I don't even know what to do hardly with, I mean, if you look around you, praise the Lord for the spatial distance, but I feel like we're having church growth in the midst of a pandemic. What do you do with that? How how do we deal with that? I don't even know. Let's pray. So I think we can, I can anyway pray for the harvest teams that are forming also, uh, you know, I, I had asked you to pay, pray for Master, Pastor Mark Trotter. He did not get the uh, prognosis that is as good as uh, what we had hoped he would get. But on top of that, then he's dealing with bouts of vertigo and 
I can't imagine anything worse than that because, I mean, throwing up makes me sick. I, I just don't like it. And, um, you know, I don't know what other torture I could go through short of actual death uh, than that. And so I told him we'd be praying for him. So let's, let's take this next week, just one, skip one meal a day. And rather than eat, spend some time and pray. So if you don't mind, if you'd stand one more time and get the blood flowing as I lead us in prayer here. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for your mercies to us. We thank you that, uh, Lord, we can, we can see you use us. We can see you drop us in the situations, in, in the lives of others. And, Lord, all it takes is one person who is saved to sanctify that situation. That's all it takes. One person who has the Holy Ghost inside that, that bears the witness to the truth of the Word of God in front of others, and that's all it takes. Lord, make us those people. Use us at this time. Grow your body. Strengthen it, even in the midst of what we're going through. May we, may we be so much better. And especially all the more, Lord, as your Word says, as we see the day approaching the day of your return. So, Father, be with us now. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Revelation chapter 10. And what will one day be revealed in history is unveiled to us right now in the book of Revelation. Uh, Chapters 6 to 18 unveil what is happening on planet Earth during the seven years immediately prior to the second coming of Christ. So if you want to know the signs of the times... These are they. If you don't want to know what the signs of the times are, it's all the things that we're seeing right here in Revelation. And the mystery of history, the great conspiracy, is unveiled in the middle of that seven-year tribulation, and it is called the tribulation for three main reasons. First, because the earth itself and nature are rebelling against the Antichrist rule. Second, because the Hebrew Christian saints at that time are being persecuted. The church has already been removed at the rapture. And now these Hebrew Christian saints, just like you found in the earliest ages of the church, are being persecuted. And third, it is because God is making everything right by paying back in final judgment on humanity. And really, that is mercy, because along with the testimony, as we've already seen in chapter 7 of 144,000 witnesses, the gospel is finally getting preached to the ends of the earth. We don't even do that before we get lifted out, but it will get done, and it happens at this time. Now, you do remember that the rapture of the church has already taken place, and so church-age saints like us, from this age of grace, this day of grace... We're with the Lord. We have our own judgment, the Bible says, as we alluded to maybe even last Sunday, I think it was, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5. We are judged not as sinners, but as sons and as servants at the judgment seat of Christ. And since the bride of Christ has now been removed, God unleashes what he has held back all these centuries. We saw in chapter Six, a world ruined by man under the seven seals. We saw in chapters eight and nine, a world ruled by Satan under the seven trumpets. And actually, we're waiting for that seventh one to sound here in in chapter 11. And we now see the mystery of the conspiracy driving world history. 
We left off last time with a chapter that was kind of an intermission. Chapter 10 is kind of intermission, and it's inserted right between the sixth trumpet of chapter 9, verse 13, and the seventh one, which sounds in chapter 11, verse 15. And so chapter 11 didn't really move us any further along in the story, but it does give us the backstory to the sounding of this last trump. It shows us a spectacular angel clothed with a cloud, crowned with a rainbow, having a face like the sun and, and flaming feet. And in his hand, this book that is now open because he had broken the seven seals and he opened the book. And so now he places his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cries with a lion's roar. And seven thunders say something. But we saw that John is commanded to seal up and not speak the things that they said. But whatever it was, it causes the angel of the Lord's presence to say, time is up. So we waited through a lot of stuff to get to this seventh trumpet. But now the mystery of of the conspiracy here in history is going to be stopped. So in Revelation 10, verses 8 and 9... John takes that little book from the angel, and the angel tells him, put it in your mouth and eat it. I mean, same thing that was said to Ezekiel. And, and basically saying, look, you know, the message you're going to have to give is going to be so bad. It will sound so bad to the people hearing it. I mean, they're going to accuse you of all sorts of things. And so you need some special nourishment to get you through that time. And basically, you are going to have to assimilate the message I'm asking you to give. Because the things you've got to tell, they will cut across our grain. They rub us the wrong way. They cause us to get angry and we just want to rebel. So it will be easy to swallow but hard to digest. Kind of that, kind of, that kind of truth. Sweet because it's the word of God but hard to accept and it has to happen. So verse 10, look at Revelation 10 verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings and roll with me right into verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Now you measure something in the Bible because you own it. I mean, you do the same thing. Before you buy a house, you get a survey as part of the appraisal. And so you stake out exactly what is yours because that's what you're going to own. And so as we continue, we are going to see how the Jewish temple has been rebuilt in Jerusalem. Now, I hope that we're able to take our trip to Israel this this coming November over Thanksgiving like we've done in the past. And And I hope that you'll be able to go with us because we will visit the institute there in the Temple Plaza where they already have the golden candlestick. It is huge and it is solid gold. And the golden tables for the showbread and the garments for the priests and, and even scale replicas of the altars so they can practice. And you'll behold Jews bobbing back and forth at the temple wall as they are praying. And they're waiting for a Messiah because they rejected Jesus. And, and you'll get to go with us through the temple, the, the tunnels that are underneath the temple mount. And we'll stop in, in that tunnel right at the spot that's closest to the Holy of Holies. But during the time here in Revelation chapter 11, the temple has been rebuilt. 
And God is doing, as it were, a mechanical inspection of the house that is his. Look at verse 2. But the court which is without the temple, leave out. And measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. That was as far as they could go. But they could go to that courtyard. It belonged to them in order to make God's house a place of prayer for all peoples. So now, right now, think about what the situation is right now. Right now, the Jews control Jerusalem and the Gentiles do not. Right now, the Muslims are on the Temple Mount and the Jews are not. But in verse 2, this is reversed. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months, which is the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And yet in the first 42 months, before that moment, even here in occupied Jerusalem, there are saints who are preparing themselves spiritually through worship. Now that brings our focus back down to what we have to do, because this is how to stand up to the lowdown. Here are some amazing end-time prophecies, but I want you to see how Jesus reveals to us what we face right now and how to get through it. So anybody want to hear this, just give me a thumbs up. So, okay, I'll even take paralysis as consent because it's just that important. Two is the number of testimony in the Bible. And so God brings two faithful people, two mighty prophets. These are two champions who rise to protect the saints and proclaim what God is doing. And it shows us the five things that you have to do to stand up to the lowdown. These are five factors that you must have working in your faith. I mean, how do we have growth even during a pandemic? Why? You know, know, we're doing these harvest teams, and I think they are God's thing at God's time. We've got to do this right now. And why are we doing all that? Well, this is number one, because you must do spiritual preaching. So you need to sign up for one of the harvest teams. We ask you to give us a month of January to get kind of get things organized. So we're still organizing that. So we'll get it organized here in January. In February is when the, when the first times it, that you may meet. Uh, then we're going to, uh, here's what we want to do. We want to prepare you. So it's a monthly meeting. So you may have two meetings before Easter, two or three. And we want to show you how to prepare to give your own testimony to somebody by Easter. So that by Easter, you are not scared to give your testimony. Because you've already worked through it. You've already written it down. We're going to show you exactly how to do it, how to compose it, how to put it together biblically. We're going to show you a template, a plan, a model in the scripture for you to do that with. And and then at the next meeting, you can do it in front of your friends, in front of the people there in the group who are only there to help you and not there to hurt you and make you confident about sharing it with the lost. And so here in Revelation 11, a specific Time frame is mentioned. What happens? Verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. So now, now we're not talking about years, seven years. And now we're not talking about uh, half of that time, 42 months. Now we're going down to the day. Because each day of those last three and a half years, there's going to be some drama that is going on. So you take three and a half years, that's 42 months, and, and in the Bible, uh, a prophetic month is just rounded off to 30 days even. 
So 42 months times 30 days, you get 1,260 days. And here's the resume of these two special witnesses that are going to be active during that time. Verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. So they are there to give light. And can you imagine that day after day after day for 1,260 days... I mean, one day it's Fox News, and one day it's CNN, and one day it's MSNBC, and, and, and they're coming, and they're putting a microphone in front of these guys' face, and they're saying, why do you do this? You know, what's going on here? And these witnesses are pointing out the conspiracy that has been against the Jews all this time and down to that moment. And they're pointing out what God is doing, and they are pointing out who the Antichrist really is. Now, and that will be so hard to believe about him, they won't believe that. Everybody is bought into his cult. I mean, most everybody is bought into his cult at that time. But my point is, those two witnesses preach the gospel every day. They're giving the light. And it says, you know, this is what you have to do in order to stand up to the down low, in order to stand up in a hard time. Number two, you will have sovereign protection if you do that. The candlesticks or lampstands in the Old and New Testament were all powered by olive oil. And these two lampstands each have their own olive tree, so their light can never be cut off by anybody. They got their own olive tree, getting them olive oil. Not only that, But for these last three and a half years, look at verse 5. If any man hurt them, will hurt them, wants to hurt them, tries to hurt them. Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. I mean, these are two scriptural superheroes. I mean, you put these two guys back in in the same same category as Samson and, uh, you know, and, and David versus Goliath and And you can also see why Satan has preempted this. Satan has preempted this by inserting video game scenarios and comic book plots into our own political system this last election cycle. Because he is trying to desensitize the world to what will happen then. That's why, that's how I know this is the end times. He is even trying to desensitize you to God's truth for end times right now. He will not want people to believe and repent. And so they'll think, well, we're just seeing the same thing again. Verse 6, These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. So now we begin to get enough information to identify who these two powerful prophets are. And Elijah shut heaven for three and a half years so that it would not rain in the days of his hard-to-swallow prophecy. And Moses turned the waters of Egypt into blood and called down plagues from heaven whenever he was speaking truth to the power of Pharaoh. Elijah did not die. He was raptured in a chariot of fire. Moses died, but his body was retrieved by Michael the archangel and hidden by God for future use. And that is information in the Bible itself. You don't need the book of Enoch. Hello, somebody. That's in the Bible. These prophets will be able to call down Old Testament judgments during the tribulation period. And that connects this moment in time to Daniel's 70th week of prophecy. And that helps you understand why we do not see 
these type of things happening today is because of the day that we are living in. And it, and it helps you know why all contemporary charismatics and word of faith leaders are false prophet faith persuasions because it's not the millennium yet. Here, here, let me show you. This is our first point for study. What happened in the opening chapters of Acts? Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4 was God's offer to immediately bring the type of Old Testament sign gifts that would be signs of the second coming. That's exactly what Peter said on the day of Pentecost when they all started speaking in tongues. He said, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And God's ready to give you the sign gifts as signs of the second coming. Now, I will say that lasted about three and a half years. I mean, I have to go back and review my chronology as to when the Apostle James was killed by Herod, as opposed to the Apostle Peter who had been let out of jail by God. Uh, But I'll say it was about three and a half years. And when the Jerusalem Jews rejected, and the Judean Jews rejected, and the rulers of the Jews rejected, then, you know, Jesus decided, I'll call time out, we're going to enter the day of salvation. And so now the church, as his body on this planet, is doing what the Jews rejected to do. I mean, all through the epistles, Paul fights with them. He goes to them first and says, look, this is your job. You've got to go out and win the Gentiles. And they're like, what? Gentiles? Well, no, no, I don't win Gentiles. We don't look the same. We don't talk the same. We don't eat the same foods. We're not the same politically. I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not going to win Gentiles. Okay. Well, then, I'm, then Paul says, okay, all right, I'll go to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles will do what you are not willing to. And you know, the Bible says it is the Jews who require a sign, so we do not still have those sign gifts operating today. They lasted, I'll say, no longer than 40 years, because 40 is the number of testing. So they lasted from 30 AD when Christ was crucified to 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. And after that, even Paul has to leave Trophimus at Miletum sick. Didn't heal him. And, and, and he has to tell Timothy to drink wine for his stomach's sake. I was doing a Bible study one time. It was early morning Bible study. And these, you know, two or three guys show up. And, and I'm wondering why they're there. I mean, it's early Bible study. Would, hey, praise the Lord. Somebody invited him, I guess. They came. And, uh, you know, kind of the ringleader caught me afterwards and said, you know, I, yeah, I went out yesterday. And uh, I was walking by, and there was this old man, and, 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 and he was sitting there, and he was, and, you know, it's like he couldn't walk, he couldn't, or whatever, he was, he was kind of crippled, and you know, I healed him. I said, great, let's get in my car right now, and let's go down to Children's Mercy Hospital Pediatric Cancer Ward, and, and I'll buy your lunch afterwards. Let's clear that place out. Well, no. Those signs are not for today. It doesn't happen like that. Those are charlatans. And, you know, they're just, they're just trying to make you think they've got something they don't really have. But after the rapture of the church, the signs of the second coming occur. And God steps on the gas so fast because of what the Antichrist is doing to cut off God's plan in the great tribulation. But as long as you are in the will of God, you are sovereignly protected. But, number three... You must have scriptural priorities. Verse 7, And when they shall have finished their testimony, but not before, 
The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Apollyon, the destroyer, brings abaddened destruction. And just like the Lord appears as the angel of the Lord and as Jesus, Satan appears as the beast, as the destroyer, and as, as, as the Antichrist. And the Antichrist actually has 18 names in Scripture. That's 6 plus 6 plus 6. Because if any fame, if, you know, if any criminal is really famous, uh, you, all the famous criminals, they have multiple aliases that they go by. Verses 8 and 10 say the beast kills them in Jerusalem, which means he's more powerful than them. He overcomes them so much so that he will not let their bodies be buried. That is so he can make a point. The world rejoices over that, but hold on one second. Because after three and a half days of that nonsense, Jesus turns to Michael and says, here, hold my coffee. Here, hold my coffee. I'm going to straighten this out. So, so John shows us that in order to stand up to the low down, you must prioritize scripture so that fourthly, it's number four, you can stand providentially. Verse 11, and after three days and a half, the spirit of from God entered into them and they stood up upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. I mean, the whole world is partying. The beast is doing interviews. People are stopping by the dead bodies and taking selfies and posting on Instagram. I mean, all the, all the influencers, uh, you know, social media influencers are there. And all of a sudden, there's this supernatural depositing of life that causes their dead bodies, who have, which have been dead three and a half days, to raise. At verse 12, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying, come up hither. I mean, you remember John himself heard that voice, Revelation 4 verse 1, as a type or a picture of the rapture of us, church age saints, Verse, verse 12, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Booyah! So there is a post-tribulation rapture, just not of us. And all of this sets up the seventh trumpet announcing the second coming of Christ. Chapter 12 then starts season 3 of the second coming. And as we go through these same episodes a third time, we're not looking this time at the devil's actions, we're looking at God's personalities. And, and God shows us personalities, and as he does that, he will backfill all the gaps from what we have seen so far by only looking at the events. So these two witnesses have been resurrected and raptured, meaning you are preserved until you finish God's task, as long as you are involved in his mission. So, stand in confidence in his providence. I mean, I know that the vaccine will be great at, at preventing you from get, getting corona. Uh, but I'll say that if you get on a harvest team, that I, you know, and, and keep your mask on, that might be just as good. Because you, you are preserved until you finish God's task as long as you are involved in his mission. Now, since that is the case, then in the final analysis, number five, you must speak prophetically. Verse 13, in the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth of the part of the city fell. And, and in the earthquake there were slain of men, 7,000, and the remnants were affrighted, and they gave glory to the God of heaven. They gave glory. I mean, God holds you responsible for what you hear, but he also holds you accountable for what you would have heard had you listened. 
And, and, and the reason for that is what we see God doing. Now, if you look on your handout at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says, he states, Look, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. I mean, every administration is for your sake. I mean, that's what he's saying. Every, every result of every election, it's, that's for your sake. I mean, it's all for our sake. That the abundance of grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. And that's our second point for study. God allows negative things when they redound to his glory. And he can do that. He can do that because it is by the cross, it is by your application of the crucified life that you are conformed to the image of Christ. So in verses 14 and 15, the the seventh angel finally sounds the last trump. Because there is an announcement being made in heaven. It says, look, get ready to roll because kingdom is coming. Now let me give you a couple of definitions that will help you out as as we go through this. The rapture is when Jesus comes in the air to catch us up out of here as his bride. So since we are the church, we're caught up to be with him. But the second coming is when we come back with him all the way down to planet earth. So the great voices in heaven are telling us to get ready to come back down. So in verses 16 to 18, at the very end of chapter 11, we are brought to the very verge of the return of the Lord Jesus. But now in chapter 12, God is kind and rewinds. Season 3, the same segment of tribulation, right before the second coming, but... Now it is a, th- a three-camera shoot. We've, seen, we've seen, one, seen it one time, seen it a second time. Now we'll go through it a third. Let's look at it now through the Lord's persons and not just the devil's actions. And there are seven persons acting that the plot centers on. But the main character is the girl with the dragon tormentor. Four, not the girl with the dragon tattoo, the girl with the dragon tormentor. Four personalities are in heaven, a woman, a dragon, a male child, and the archangel Michael. Three are on planet earth, the remnant, the beast, and the false prophet. But the focus again is on the last three and a half years, or the great tribulation. So first off, notice if you will, and this is number one, Israel enjoys special favor by God. Verse one, of Revelation 12, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. I mean, just like the, just like the dream that Joseph had. And upon her head was a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. The opening personality is a pregnant woman about to give birth. We know this is national Israel because she has a crown with a star for each tribe to rule over the nations. So the church is the bride of Christ, but Israel was God's wife in the Old Testament. Then on the other hand, and this is number two, Israel encounters a satanic foe in history. Verse three, and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his heads. So the second personality is the adversary, the nemesis of the male child of the woman, that male child being Jesus, the Messiah. Verse 4, and, and the dragon's tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. 
and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. We have seen angels described as stars already here in the book of Revelation. And maybe you didn't know this until I just showed you. But when Satan fell, a third of the angels followed him from what we just saw. His tail drew a third of the angels down. And now verse 5, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. So we know who that man-child is. Because that same language Isaiah uses to describe him. And here a child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So let me explain to you everything that we've seen in politics, everything we've seen in protests in the last election, everything you're going to continue to see going on right now. Let me just explain it all for you. Uh, and, and it's really important that we understand this because what we see here in chapter 12 is so significant because it shows you what you have to do to defeat the devil and overcome the deception in your life. So in getting to that, let me just, let me just say a couple of three things. Whenever someone tells you that Jews like the Rothschilds or Soros or whoever are not really Jews check the bloodlines, you know they're anti-Semitic. You know exactly where to put them. Whenever someone tells you, when they, when they uh, push letters from rabid Catholic cardinals, well, you kind of know where to put them. And when someone prophesies falsely, believe them the first time, they are a false prophet. I mean, I don't want to have to go through this again. I don't want to have to deal with it again. I, I, don't, I don't want Christ's body to, ha- to have that infection again. And it's all right here in front of us. I'm explaining it to you. Why? Because letter A, this battle started at the beginning. Everything that occurs is because of Israel. That is the mystery of history. Watching Israel explains everything that happens. Why? Because there is a promised seed who is a descendant of the woman who is going to crush the serpent's head. In Revelation 11, that serpent appears as the great red dragon and that seed appears as the man-child, the son of God, Jesus Christ. But then on the other hand, letter B, the battle is sometimes open and sometimes a conspiracy. Now, the world's conspiracies are not hit, that we're not afraid of those because none of them are hidden to us because God tells us all about them. So none of this should surprise you. None of what ha- has happened should surprise you. Neither should we get caught up in that because then we get deceived instead of sticking with Jesus' great commission. See, God is on a conspiracy against the devil. That's the mystery of history. This is, uh, this is letter C. The battle ends with God's defeat of Satan and judgment on sin. And trust me, there is enough sin and Satan to go around for every political party. Not even just the two major ones. I mean, for all of them. I mean, God promised Abraham his seed would bless the nations. God took Jacob's seed, 12 sons, and made them a nation. God promised his sons through Joseph that the scepter would reside in Judah. And God promised King David of Judah's tribe that Messiah would come from his dynasty. Christ was born, but after he was crucified, buried, and raised, he ascended back to heaven. But now wait, wait. Because the first coming was through Israel at a particular moment in time when 
when a particular empire was in control. And the second coming has to also be through Israel. So that's my thesis for today's study. I mean, I haven't even been able to get to it until we got right here. One of the purposes of the time of Jacob's trouble is to be the birth pangs producing the Messiah, the producing the second coming of Christ. Part of the pain is to change Israel's mind about their Messiah so that he can come the second time and save them from the anti-Messiah. I mean, we know this. Romans 11, verse 26, Paul tells us, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Sion the Deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So the Jews have rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ, and it is a hard-hearted rejection unless there's a painful process. And there's just something about pain that it has a way of softening our hearts. And if it's not our pain, it's pain of somebody else. I can remember years ago hearing Buddy Cargill preach, and Buddy Cargill was this, this, this huge guy, evangelist. He had been a biker. I mean, he still looked like a biker. Fortunately, he didn't preach, he didn't say the words like a biker. You know, he didn't use biker language in the pulpit, but it still looked like a biker. I can remember him talking about, you know, I was this biker, I was this hard guy, man. But, you know, my daughter got sick. And, when, you know, and my daughter got sick, and, it, and that just broke me. And so labor pains are needed. There has to be some travailing and languish. Why? Because there has to be pain in order to make you want to push. You would never give birth if the pain did not force your body to do the unnatural thing of pushing out what has been growing inside. But since Satan missed getting the man-child, and that baby grew up to be Jesus and ascended to heaven, then Satan knows his only remaining strategy is to stop the plan, to stop the plan of God is if he destroys Israel. That is the mystery of history. That is the conspiracy. It is that Israel is specially favored by God, But Israel has a satanic foe. So third, third, this is number three, Israel endures a spiritual fight for physical promises. Verse six, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, threescore days. And now, but why? Because she's got to be fed every day. Can't be fed on, on the monthly plan. You've got to be fed every day with this one. And so now we're seeing the last half of the tribulation through the eyes of the Jewish remnant. And God has to protect that believing remnant so that the man-child Jesus can return. And Christ will return when all of this Holocaust finally makes them want to receive him as their true Messiah. I mean, just look at Zechariah 12, verse 10 on your handout. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And until then, God has Israel in protective custody. Then a fourth personality appears in heaven, and we'll end with this, verse 7. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels, against the dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Michael is Israel's guardian angel. 
But, but here's something you may not know until I show you. Look at Hebrews 1 verse 14 on your handout. Paul asks a rhetorical question. It's rhetorical because the understood answer to the, to the question is yes. Are the angels not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Why, yes. Yes, they are. I mean, Satan's angels are cast down to earth slapped out of heaven by his tail, but every believer has an angel sent forth to minister to him or to her. Now you may think your guardian angel fell asleep in 2020 and hadn't woke up yet in 2021, but just wait until one day you see what would have happened, even what should have happened, had your ministering spirit not worked on your behalf. I mean, look back over your life at the things that were just about to happen if it hadn't been just in the nick of time. Now, for that inner movement and premonition that held you back or warned you away, for that seeming coincidence of events that make some people say, well, you know, I was lucky. That's another thing that you may not have been aware of until I told you, but if you are here or if you are watching or you are listening and you're not yet saved, I also need to tell you this. You have no guardian angel because you do not belong to God. So there's no promise of protective custody for you. There is no protective custody for you. Now, praise the Lord. It's not the millennium yet, but also ain't the tribulation yet. We're still here. I'm still here. The church is still here. God, this is still the day of grace. Praise the Lord. So you're here, or you're watching or listening. Praise God. But you still need a, you still need to be in God's protective custody starting now. Because if not, that means it's the devil's angels who have an agenda for you. God in his grace ordains that every event in the life of a lost person is designed to drive them to Christ, to break through their blindness, to soften their heart to the gospel. And that is why this is God's time and God's thing for us to do harvest teams together. I mean, this is the time. We've got to do it now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every Christian pray. You know, we're halfway through Revelation. We're just to chapter 12. Lord, I pray today for those people who need to say yes to Jesus and trust him for eternal life and trust him as their personal Lord and Savior. God, I pray, give us a harvest of souls this year as we start our harvest teams together and continue to study truth for these end times. And you know what? If you want to be saved, will you just pray, pray with me right now? Just say this prayer with me. Dear God, I know you love me and you want to save me. I, I see that now. I see that today. Jesus, you died to save me. You now promise to save me if I will simply trust you for eternal life. So I call on your name right now. I turn from my sins to receive you as my Lord. God, I don't ask for a sign. I'm not, I'm not looking for a feeling. Sink or swim, live or die. I just want to stand on your word today. Stand on the truth of the gospel good news I've seen today. And because I trust in you right now, I will acknowledge you if I'm here today by coming forward and meeting, meeting somebody here at the front so Alan can give me a copy of his book, Next Steps for New Believers. Or I'll acknowledge you by emailing or calling or texting and making it public like that. And if you prayed like that, or if you want to be baptized when we baptize in a couple of weeks, or if you want to join our church, if you want to be discipled, or if you have need of any spiritual help or assistance, then come here to the front and, and let us know. Hang with me in the, in the Sundays to come. 
and we will get revival through the gospel. We will enable you to start swimming against the unbelieving state, and we will have revival. Go ahead and stand, and let's have a word of prayer to dismiss. Father, I thank you again today for the magnificent glory of Jesus that we see unveiled and revealed in the book of Revelation to us. And God, what a shame if we did not sing that glory, if we did not make sure that our life did not redound to his glory and to yours. I mean, not not just add to his glory. I mean, if we do something good, okay, that adds to his glory. But Lord, if we share our testimony, if we say someone gets saved and then they start doing good, that doesn't just add to glory, that redounds to your glory. Lord, give us that. Lord, do that. Lord, effectively help us set up the harvest teams, the small groups centered on the idea of evangelism that we need to have as we go forward into this year. Lord, be with us to do that. Not because we deserve it, but because that is what your son Jesus died in order to produce. That is what he gives us and offers us to claim by faith. Lord, we do it right now in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Now, if I don't see you back tonight, I'll see you next Sunday for the Lord's Supper. And wait, wait, if you're going to observe the Lord's Supper and you're online, go out this week, get, get you some crackers, get some juice so you can observe it with us. Have your family gathered around with you. Uh, stay in the Bible, share the gospel. Love you. Have a great week. You're dismissed.